Hey there, and welcome to episode 70 of the Food Biz Whiz podcast. In today's show, I am welcoming one of my favorite digital marketers, Lindsay O'Donnell of Piquant Marketing, and we are discussing how to market to vegans. You heard me correctly, how to navigate, communicate to, and accommodate this audience of potentially picky customers. So whether your brand is plant-based or not, you've got to understand the important nuances of speaking to this audience. And there is no better person to walk us through this lesson than Lindsay, who has been vegetarian since the age of 16 and turned vegan 10 years after that. We have got a great, insightful conversation ahead. So stay tuned. You're listening to Food Biz Whiz the weekly podcast for everyone in the packaged food industry. Join your host, Allie Ball, to learn how to launch, grow, and scale your business. You'll hear real-life examples from her time as a professional grocery buyer, interviews with CPG experts, and listen in on actual client coaching sessions. Let's get going. I'm going to tell you a secret from my time as a grocery buyer. Buyers will only bring in your product line if they trust that you are going to bring high sales to your category. They don't care whether your product is the most delicious ever or made with local ingredients. They care about whether or not it's going to sell. How can you prove this to those buyers? With data. And that is why I love WeStock, and I wish it had been around when I was in my buyer role. WeStock has modernized the classic product request form, and it collects your fans and followers' enthusiasm into real data that you can use in your wholesale pitch. Buyers rely on numbers, and you can give them just that by collecting it with WeStock. Check them out at WeStock.io or find them in my show notes and use promo code FOODBIZWIZ for 25% off your first year. Hey there, Lindsay. Thank you for coming on the show today. Hi, Hi. I'm so excited (laughs) for this. Okay. It's going to be a good one. I mean, I'm I'm so excited to do this show especially at this time of year. And so Lindsay, I'm going to I'm going to talk to my audience for a second and say like my whizzes, I know a lot of you have brands that are suitable for vegans and I'm hoping <laughs> you are thinking about your marketing messaging for the new year as we frankly, get back on track with healthy eating. And we put in place uh, a few resolutions after the holidays. So my listeners, before you do that, I want you to tune into this episode with Lindsay. Because like I said, in the intro, Lindsay's the founder and the owner of Piquant Marketing. And that is an agency, I love this, that grows healthy food businesses. So Lindsay, I know Piquant Marketing is a full service digital marketing agency, but what do you do there? Yes. Okay. So we do everything from social media, photography, design, influencer marketing, uh, experiential marketing, social ad buys. Basically, we do a lot of stuff online and then it just sort of ripples out from there. Yes. Okay. My, my listeners are going to love you just as much as I do. And like I said, I'm so excited that you're here and I want to start from the very top I want to start with a little bit about your background. So you said that you went vegetarian at age 16. I mean, I think I did too, but mine lasted like a week or so. <laughs> Do you remember yeah. what what you were thinking when you were that 16-year-old deciding to, to go vegetarian? 
Yes, I am so glad you asked because often people ask like, how did Peking come to be? And I'm like, do you have time? Because it started <laughs> in high school. Um, I just remember I was 16 and I just, I sort of like became introduced into the world of activism. I became really passionate about environmentalism, animal rights, um, human rights. And I just felt like I had this message and if everybody would just listen, then we could save the world. And I still have people coming up to me and saying, like, I remember you in high school, like picking the recyclables out of the garbage. And I just felt like if I was demanding big change to the world, big corporations, big companies that I needed to look at the change within myself. And around that age, I started to see the connection between our food choices and the subjects that I was just so passionate about. It sounds like you were a very insightful 16 year old. I think my week of vegetarianism was about like, you know, <laughs> rebelling against mom and dad who wanted to make beef tacos for dinner. I mean, I think it was kind of annoying. I mean, I didn't really know how to be an effective ap- ap- activist. I was like sending my dad videos, like undercover footage, and he was just like not impressed. I don't know how much change I was doing, but it was just like, I was just super passionate. And I just like didn't know where to put all this energy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hear you on that. And so then you, continued to grow up and you decided to become vegan, not, not just vegetarian, right? Yeah. So I felt like my world kind of split in two. So I, like I was spending my spare time volunteering for Greenpeace, Sea Shepherd, PETA, and a bunch of other organizations here in Vancouver. And then like professionally and in my studies, I was getting really into the like business corporate world, but on the side, I was I co-founded an environmental nonprofit. I was still very much in the activist community. And so um, it really felt like my world was like splitting. Like there was like two versions of me and veganism was very much a transition of vegetarianism. Like for the reasons that you go vegetarian, the same reasons apply to go vegan. And I know, you know this, but I eventually got a job at Whole Foods Market and it was like, Ali, it was like my world clicked. I was like, yes, These are my people. Yes. Like, people cared about like, <laughs> food and they cared about food as like a tool for activism as a tool for love and equality and it was just like my world came together like it was just I had the support I had the tools and I had people who were just like annoying activists like me and so that was really just like where my like world came together Lindsay I I love that you put it that way because I had the same experience when I started working at Byright. And I remember talking to my mom about it and being like, these are my people. And she was like, you found your community in a grocery store? I was like, yes, yes, I did. <laughs> I feel so justified that you you had a very similar experience. And you were working, working in marketing at Whole Foods, right? Yes. Yes. And yeah, yeah, like just, I, it was, I just, as soon as I got there, I was like, why was I not trying to be here the whole time? Like it had never even occurred to me. And uh, yeah. And that was just where like my passions and my skills just all came together in one place. Very cool. And then you left and you started your own marketing agency. Yes. So they had, this was right before Amazon, but they had like mass layoffs in the marketing team. And mm-hmm. I, it was a, it was a good time. I sort of felt like I was like reaching sort of my limit. I didn't really know what my next yeah. step was. And then I kind of bounced around and I realized very quickly that food was where I wanted to be. Like I was spending all my spare time, like doing supper clubs, building my own brand and just keeping tabs in the community. I was like, why am I going to work nine hours a day and then spending my spare time tr- 
trying to stay in this community. That's where I should be. And I was so tired of my career being in other people's hands. Like things were above my pay grade. I didn't know when I'd get a promotion. And I just like didn't respect some of the people I worked with, some of the people I love, but I was just very frustrated. And I had a partner at the time and I was like, I just want to do what I did at Whole Foods Market. Like I want to work with the farmers and the retailers and like, I want to build communities and experiences for food brands that like want to change the world the way I do. Yes. Oh my gosh. I think so many of my listeners can relate because so often that's why we start our own businesses, right? So we can have more impact and have greater control over, over our choices and over our lives. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So today we're going to talk about marketing to vegans, but I've got an important question before we get into this. Does Peacant work with brands who are not vegan brands? So we do. So, um, and this has been a tough one for me because when we first started, we worked with anybody because I had a partner and she wasn't vegan. And then the more we evolved, I like, you know, I would meet people and say you're a small like cheese farmer and you believe in like, you know, taking care of your goats and the goats like manure helps your farm. Like I think we want the same thing. And so I've got these like vague core values. Um, Basically, like if you're pushing environmentalism, social causes, then we're on the same team. Um, It is kind of a case by case, but I have had meat companies reach out and I'm like, I'm just not your person. You know what I mean? Like I'm not going to be the one who's going to know how to market your like pig ear chips, you know? (laughs) Yes, exactly. Exactly. I think that that's, um, that seems clear in my mind, right? Like you are looking yeah. for for companies that share your values. And while those values don't necessarily have to be completely around veganism, it they should be around sustainability and environmental stewardship and, you know, just just those better for you brands that maybe aren't the uh, chicharrones of the world. Yes, I feel better that it seems clear to you because I'm still figuring it out. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, that's the thing, like we're our businesses are allowed to evolve as well. So, okay. So speaking of confusion, I think we need to start at the top because I, I see a lot of confusion between veganism, vegetarianism, plant-based diets, pescatarians, like I, I, I want you to lay it out for us as someone who has has worked with all of these different groups and is really clear on this. What's the difference between all of that and like, why does it matter? Okay, yes, it is confusing. I've been in this community for like more than 20 years and it's confusing. And <laughs> the bad news is it's going to get more confusing, which we'll talk about <laughs> later. But all right. what you need to know is like vegetarian and the arms of vegetarianism is that you don't eat animal flesh. So there's like ovo vegetarian, there's lactose vegetarians, there's flexitarians who are like trying to avoid meat. Basically like vegetarians like don't eat meat. Um, vegans don't eat anything that comes from an animal and there's different levels to veganisms. Mm-hmm. Um, of course there is to make it confusing. There's like strict vegans, um, ethical vegans who like myself, like you don't wear leather, you don't buy cosmetics that are tested on animals. You don't support charities that support testing on animals. There's dietary vegans like Bill Clinton, who probably still wears leather, but went vegan for health reasons. Mm. And then the most confusing difference I see is plant-based. And honestly, when it comes to marketing, it's pretty interchangeable, but really like the best way I can put it is like plant-based means that you are eating whole foods um, that are plant-based. I saw some descriptions that said plant-based might include some meat, but in my experience, it's like whole foods. So the best way I can describe it is like an Oreo is vegan, but it's not (laughs) (laughs) plant-based. All right. I follow you there. (laughs) That makes sense too, because I think that that it's 
It's getting more complicated as people are choosing these different diets for, for many different reasons. Like you said, either like values oriented or health oriented, or frankly, because they're jumping on a bandwagon or, you know, whatever it is, but it, it does seem, it does seem complicated to me. Yeah. I mean, I think like if you sort of know those differences, like, okay, veganism, plant-based and vegetarian, I think you're pretty good. Yeah. Um, Like you're never going to navigate it completely. I haven't. Um, But I think if you're a brand that's sort of like just tipping your toe into connecting with this community, if you kind of understand that vegans, like nothing comes from an animal, plant-based means whole plant-based food, like vegan food and vegetarian means not eating meat. I think you'll be pretty good. Okay. I got it. Yeah, <laughs> I got it. Um, I was a judge in a pitch slam competition yesterday and about 30% of the brands in there were plant-based. Yay. Yeah. It. it was really interesting to see. And you could, you could see some of the other judges like still having confusion there. Like I, yeah. I could see like things weren't quite clicking. So I'm glad that I'm glad we're clearing this up. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So in my mind and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but it seems like the vegan audience is the one that is um, potentially most strict in their values and the, their way of eating and potentially the most fickle. What do you think about that? Um, I think you're right. And I feel I feel like you're like, sensitive to say that. It's okay. We are. Can we're I like, say that? Yeah. <laughs> We're very loud. We are very, like, like the thing is you and I have talked about how with this community, you can really use it to your advantage or it can be a disadvantage. And mm-hmm. I think the thing to understand is that m- the majority of vegans are vegan because they, it's a way they choose to live their life. They feel there is something fundamentally wrong with the mass meat industry with exploiting animals. And so they're choosing this because they feel like it is an injustice to the environment, to animals, to your fellow humans. Um, so there's a lot there. It's a lot different than like cutting out gluten because you can't right. eat gluten. Um, and I do want to preface this by saying that like veganism and plant-based eating has gotten a little bit of flack in the past few years because people have accused the movement of being racist and being um, elitist. Mm. So I just want to clarify that like for myself and most vegans, the goal here is not to make people in like Northern Alaska, whose primary food source is meat or people in food deserts to make them feel guilty or make them feel like sure. they have like it's really about this system that is causing so much harm in a vegan's eyes um, and wanting to change our eating habits for people who have the ability and resources to do so. So that's the reason they're so fickle and powerful. The other thing is if you were vegan, like when I went vegetarian and then vegan, I would like, honestly, I would go to a barbecue and like people would yell at me and like, you had to know your stuff. You had to be educated. You were constantly being questioned. You were constantly being asked to defend. I think it's so much more mainstream now, but the majority of this audience is very educated. They're organized and they're activists. So the thing is they're super powerful because they're supportive. Like most vegans will drive like an hour outside of their city to go check out like a new vegan restaurant. But at the same time, they know how to mobilize if they feel like there's something that they need to band together for. Yes. Okay. So this, this makes a lot of sense to me and, and really continuing to think about vegans making these choices because of a, because of a value rather than just a dietary choice or a health choice is, I think that that's really powerful for me. So thank you for bringing that up. Um, I also think Lindsay, that it's worthwhile for me to say the disclaimer too, that, you know, I want to be clear that 
you aren't necessarily speaking for all vegans too, right? It's like saying that like Ali Ball, Food Biz Biz is speaking for all grocery buyers. Like we do a lot of generalizing on this podcast and I, and I think it is worth here. It's worth it here, especially for like this audience to say that, um, Lindsay, you're speaking from your marketing background and your own personal background, but of course, all vegans. There are, there are different opinions within the vegan community. Vegans, we love you. You're my people. And I'm careful to say like most vegans. Right. Uh, <laughs> yes. Okay. And so I think now that we've got all, all of our disclaimers out of the way here, Lindsay, I think one of the things that becomes complicated with food and beverage, beverage brands marketing to vegans is this um, are the nuances here, right? And so I, I'm going to go off script and I want to ask a couple of questions here, but do you think it's appropriate for any brand who just happens to make a vegan product to consider marketing to vegans? And let me give an example here. Like say I make a, um, a sparkling water that is infused with grapefruit essential oil, whatever. (laughs) That's like all vegan approved, right? Make sparkling water, grapefruit, sparkling water. Obviously it's vegan. Should I market to vegans? Okay. So I think this is such a good question. Um, I think you need to decide if you are a vegan brand, a vegan product or none of the above, because what you don't want to do is like, Okay, I'll break down, break them down. A vegan okay. brand is a brand like Diet Cheese. They exist to provide vegans um, an alternative to cheese. And like you're one of us. Like yep. you are a brand that exists to move this movement forward in terms of more food transparency um, and a plant-based diet. Yes. A vegan product would be like Basel offering a vegan margarine. Like you are not a vegan company, but you are accommodating that market, which is a good thing. You are none of the above. Like you are either steak or like you said, you're sparkling water. <laughs> yes. And if it's sparkling water, I really wouldn't market to vegans just because you still happen to be vegan because it seems like exploitive. It feels okay. yes. And I really wouldn't be like, hey, this water is vegan because it's like, well, yeah. And you're in you're just trying to profit off this community without <laughs> actually trying to move this movement forward. And it's like at best it's annoying. <laughs> at worst, <laughs> you can piss people off. So I think you really need to decide like, are you really accommodating this? audience by being one of them or by offering them an alternative? Um, or are you just so happen to be vegan? Like you can still get it at Expo and you should be there and things like that. But I wouldn't position yourself as like vegan. And I've seen that and it's just kind of annoying. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I'm glad we're on the same page about this because I see it. I see it with brands all the time too, who try to cater to frankly, like any of the, um, <laughs> any like dietary, any specific diet, right? They're like, my sparkling water is gluten free. And I'm like, yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> that that is true. But like you yeah. and every other sparkling water, right? Like the gluten free yeah. eaters and the vegans of the world know that your sparkling water is is vegan. Like you yeah. don't need to, you don't need to like call it out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I, let me just recap the difference here. So, um, you, you highlighted there's, you can either be a vegan brand like diet cheese. You can be a brand that offers vegan options. Like maybe you have a, a brand portfolio and two of your SKUs are vegan options, or you could be or you're just a brand or <laughs> you're just a brand that like is, you know, just like every other brand who isn't specifically catering to vegans and that's okay. Yes. Okay. 
Awesome. Yeah, we got it. See, not complicated. We got this. <laughs> we got this. All right, let's let's keep going. And I I want to keep going down this like potentially confusing road because I think, you know, while you're here, Lindsay, let's talk about the the stuff that is is causing causing us to pause. Yes. Can we talk about fake meat and lab-based meat and where <laughs> that falls in the world of veganism and plant-based eating? Yes. And so the plant-based meat is, well, one of the mistakes I, I hear is like people arguing against plant-based meat, like, oh, it's not healthy. Vegans are supposed to be healthy. Like, well, nobody's like pushing Beyond Meat Burger as like a healthy option. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you and I had talked about this, like it's estimated that 40% of the world is going to be eating plant-based for lab meat. Um, so they're not eating like meat traditionally. And I really think this is going to fracture our vegan community mm. because, um, the reason is, is plant-based meat and lab meat are going to be more accessible and they're going to be cheaper. Um, and so if you are um, a vegan for environmental reasons, you might have lab meat because there isn't the sort of like environmental footprint. There isn't the exploitive nature of the slaughterhouses. There's all these things that like tick your boxes and you can have lab meat. And so then are you still part of the vegan community? Do you still support the movement, but you're not vegan? Like it's, it's going to get complicated. Um, I think if you're a vegan brand, you don't have to worry too much, but if you are brand that has meat in it or an animal product, I would just keep an eye on these trends because you might get to a place where you're interested in incorporating that. And then how are you going to angle? How are you going to position yourself? So uh, it's going to continue changing just like vegan meats has just skyrocketed. The next big thing is seafood. So yeah, yeah, it's going to be very, there's going to be some discussions in the vegan community for sure. So let me highlight that stat that you said again. You said 40% of the world is going to be eating plant-based or lab-based meat by 2040. Yes. That's, that's a lot. Oh <laughs> that's God. almost half. Wow. Okay. That's crazy. I mean, we're seeing we're even seeing it in retail ready. We've got um a handful of you know, lab, lab meat producers and, and seafood oh, producers too. Yeah. It's cool. Um, so we, can you clarify for my listeners is lab based meat meat? Is it animal products or not? It is. So you are taking the stem cells of the animal to produce the meat. So you're taking stem cells from a cow to produce steak or whatever. Um, and you only need to take those stem cells once from what I understand. So it's not like you have to <laughs> process a cow every time you want lab meat. Right. Um, <laughs> But essentially, like it is, it is meat. Um, right. It'll be quote unquote cleaner meat because I guess there's like less antibiotics and pollution in the air. Um, but it is still meat. Yeah, and so I can see why this is confusing or potentially like a, a challenge for vegans to to grapple with, right? Oh, for sure, for sure. And like, yeah, again, like the reasons you're vegan is going to dictate if you incorporate lab meat into your diet. Um, and so it's just like me with my company where the people I work with, if they're, they want the same things as me, then I think it's a good fit. I mean, if the lab meat checks all your boxes, then you might decide that this is what you want to incorporate in your diet. Yeah. And I think it just goes back to your, your earlier point that we we're all making choices for different reasons and it's really hard to, to generalize like, uh, you know, every single vegan feels this way or every yeah. single plant-based eater is going to want this thing, right? Like it's, it's, we're individuals. We have to make individual choices, right? Totally. Totally. And I guess just one thing I'd want to add is I've had, like, I have like a vegan activist Instagram and I, I get a lot of like uh, small farmers reaching out to me. And I think to like, like 
our wants aren't that far. Like, and I try not to keep my personal, (laughs) my personal niches in the vegan community public in terms of like, like if you're a small producer farmer, I think we can both agree that like the mass meat industry is the target here. And then we can sort of like go down the line. Um, And so, yeah, for this podcast, I'm like my, the way I'm speaking is the mass meat industry. I mean, smaller farmers is a totally different discussion. And um, so small farmers listening, (laughs) targeting you on this podcast, that's just sort of like a different discussion. You know, Lindsay, I didn't even, I didn't really think about how we might be opening, I might be opening up the Food Biz Whiz community to some, or the Food Biz Whiz podcast to some criticism (laughs) with this episode. Sorry. I'm so sorry. I think like, again, like I just say, like, I think we all want like transparency yeah. and we want sustainability and we want like ethical processes. And I think like, let's do this like mass, the biggest, like, you know, the biggest issue, which is like the mass meat industry. Let's talk about that first. And yeah. then um, I've got some other activists that I can put you in touch with if you want to <laughs> talk to them. But, uh, I think for the sake of this, like I'm just sort of focusing on like mass meat industry. Yeah, yeah totally. I mean, it's like when when Walmart started selling organic, right? Like I, you know, I, I went back and forth about this and I'm like, you know what, at the end of the day, like, while I might not be supporting Walmart, I certainly recognize that by their selling organic, they are moving the needle in farming in America. Like, yeah, I can, I can support that. So yeah. 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 Okay. Well, Lindsay, I think this is a great place to take a little pause and we will be right back in a few seconds. Hang tight. You hear it from your customers every day. I love your product. I wish this was sold near me. When are you going to be carried at my favorite local store? It is time to capture those customer interactions and put them to work for your brand. We Stock streamlines the product request process and helps get your brand on retail shelves faster by collecting data that is essential for your wholesale pitch. And you have heard me say it enough times by now to know that buyers love data. A pitch that is backed by data is always going to capture that buyer's attention faster than a pitch without it. Learn more about how you can use your fans' product request to perfect your pitch at westock.io or linked in my show notes. And don't forget to use promo code FOODBIZWIZ for 25% off your first year. Okay, my listeners, we are back. I feel like we did a lot of lot of clarification at the beginning of this podcast on all the different types of diets here. And, and I think we agreed, Lindsay, that speaking to vegans can be challenging. So I want to dig a little bit deeper into these mistakes that that you see brands making as they try to attract and speak to a vegan audience. So um, from a marketer's perspective, do you do you see brands like screwing it up here? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, yes, Allie, that's why we're here on the podcast. Yeah, um, I do. And I mean, I think like to just like researching this community and the reasons they are vegan can be immensely helpful, like even just a person navigating the world or a business. But some of the biggest mistakes I see come down to not doing your research. So like some of the mistakes I see is like launching a vegan product and connecting with that community and then realizing that your product's not vegan. Like, trust me, Allie, once you go down this hole, like not all sugar is vegan, not all food dyes are vegan. So Starbucks had a big thing where they launched like a vegan frappuccino and they got a ton of press. And then the red dye came from ground up beetles. (gasps) That is, especially for like, if you think about it, like veganism almost like 
a religion in, ter- in terms of like yeah. it goes against what you believe in the world to consume something that you do not want to consume and go out of your way to support somebody that supports what you support and then realizing that they made an error. It's just, you don't do it. It's yucky and you'll get some backlash. Yeah. Um, and then on that, like not doing your research in partners. So like the thing with veganism is that there are parallels and ties in terms of veganism to environmentalism, to human rights, to animal rights, to feminism. So if you are a brand that isn't even vegan, but say you're all about like, we're fair trade, we're fair trade, we're all about human rights, we're all about um, fair compensation, but you have dairy in your product, the vegans are going to point out like, hey, the dairy industry has a long history of exploiting its workers, mm. um, of like increased crime rates in the communities that they're in. So I think just make sure that you want to do your research, especially like one of the things I see is like uh, vegan communities or vegan brands, like they want to give back but vegan brands generally don't donate or do fundraisers for medical charities because that money ends up going to animal research. So Uh, there's like certain arms and legs to it that you want to avoid. Um, And like, honestly, once you kind of get going, it's not that difficult and there's tons of resources and people are pretty forgiving. If you're honest, like I didn't know all sugar wasn't vegan, but that would be like one mistake is not doing your research in terms of things beyond what is just in your product. Um, Yeah. I think Lindsay, you make a really great point here because it's, it's so easy to, (laughs) it's so easy to like slap a label on something or like lean into a certain certification, but unless you can back it up, like all throughout the supply chain, those, those powerful groups, those finicky vegans or, you know, any other group, whatever, you know, whatever it is, um, they know the red flags, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think like, I mean, we give vegans a hard time. I'm a vegan, but it's like they, vegans and activists do change the world and they hold us accountable. Yeah. So it's a good yes. thing. Um, but I mean, obviously there's like people that are very vocal. There's people that can be sort of negative. Um, but I like another mistake that we talk about is like not leaning into this audience. So I told you, like we've had brands that have their company began because there was no vegan alternative on the market. And then what they want to do is when they're marketing, they're like, we don't really want to mention that we're vegan. And I'm like, that's why you exist. <laughs> that's your <laughs> differentiator, you know? So I really want to like remind vegan products, like this is such a powerful community and it's a ripple effect. Like you try to appeal to everyone, you appeal to no one, you capture the leaders, you capture the market. So I think people look at beyond meat and they're like, well, my dad buys that. They're not mm-hmm. just, uh, they're not just appealing to vegans, but I can tell you vegans had been hearing about beyond meat like as soon as investment was being raised, like we mm. knew about it and we were excited about it and we were talking about it. So the process was that the people that were most passionate about it heard about it first and were talking about it when they launched it in like retailers here in Vancouver and across Canada, like it was a lot of vegan influencers that were talking about it. So I really want to encourage vegan brands, or even if you have a vegan product, like do not shy away because you're afraid of repelling your greater audience, especially at this point when it's so mainstream, like, do not be afraid to lean in and use the power of the vegan community because they are so passionate and they're so supportive and they are like so lovely. Like I'm in text groups, there's Facebook groups, like there's so many groups of people just saying like, Hey, here's a new vegan seafood, a new vegan name, whatever it is. Oh, that's, that's such a great example with the, um, with beyond, with, with beyond burger, right? Beyond. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gosh, I, I hadn't thought about it like that, but starting with the most passionate consumer being vegans in this case makes so much sense. 
I don't know why I hadn't hadn't put it together there, but you know, it makes total sense that you heard about it years before all of North America did. The power of <laughs> the power of it. Well, and you and I were talking offline and I I, I want to highlight this, that you, you said vegans and moms are the loudest communities on the internet. And I, I think that yes. is, I think it's one of the reasons why brands get a little bit nervous about marketing to yeah. powerful communities, right? It's like, they're afraid of saying the wrong thing. Totally. And I think it's understandable. And it's, I think that's just like the last mistake that I can offer is, um, like not listening. And so mm-hmm. I think like, yeah, there's people that are going to get upset if you mess up and like boycott you. But the majority of the vegan community that I've experienced is all about education. And so there's an example that they, that I always heard when I was at Whole Foods Market where John Mackey was ho- holding like a town hall or a board meeting and vegan protesters came in and protested and said like, you can't be about all the things that you say you're about and sell meat. And so what he did was he brought in a few of those protesters and they ended up introducing a transparency rating system for their meat products um so i think like there's a way that even if you're not like if you're not vegan you're not a vegan product i think that like that was a win for both for the vegans it was all about education in store and getting people to think about where their food comes from and the ripple effect their food choices have and for whole foods market like they were able to sit down and listen and get better and create an even more competitive offering. So I think like the biggest mistake is to like, just be like, Oh, well, grass has feelings, go away vegans. Like, I think like, even if you're a small farmer by just saying like, okay, tell me what your concerns and I'll tell you what my wants are in this world. And I think oftentimes, like, it doesn't even have to be a partnership, but I think just listening can be so beneficial for both, both parties. Yeah, that's a great point. And I I think so often the, the people on like either on like the far ends on the like far sides are the ones who are the most vocal. So certainly like if you're, you're trying to navigate, navigate a new landscape for yourself and you're putting yourself out there and you're making mistakes here and there, like, of course you're going to get some pushback from the most passionate people in those groups. Right. So can we, before we wrap up here, I do want to talk about that, that pushback because, you know, like you said, you have, you know, vegan text messaging chains, social media groups, an Instagram profile. Like I know, I know they're really, um, really vocal and really passionate online. What happens when things don't go so well for a brand and they might get some negative social media comments or, you know, pushbacks in review or like, gosh, even protests like you, you mentioned, what, what do you do? Oh my gosh. So it really is a case by case basis. Um, okay. Like say you're Starbucks and you mess up, yeah. you just apologize and you maybe you bring on an expert to ensure that it's not happening again. Like if it's just an honest small mistake where you're like, we really do believe the same things you do. We just didn't realize that this charity supported animal testing or whatever. I think that that's pretty simple by just offering transparency. We all make mistakes and then showing people how you're taking steps to get better. If you are like, getting negative social media comments, I would actually just look at the comments and see if there was anything productive in there. Like if they're saying, Hey, like the dairy that you source comes from this mass producer that has a history of human rights violations or whatever it is. Like maybe there's something there that you can continue to grow. Mm. But sometimes like if you're a brand and there's nothing you can do, um, I still would try to mediate and just like 
thank people for their feedback. Like the only thing you don't want to do, you do not want to like get argumentative and inflame the vegan. Like I'm telling mm-hmm. you, they're educated, they're organized. And oftentimes they know what they're talking about, even if you disagree. So the worst thing you could do is to just be like, oh, well, trees have feelings or like, who cares? Go, go eat some bacon. Like just, you don't want to do that. That's oh, not gosh. good for anybody. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> and like, yeah, we had protesters when we were at, when I was at Whole Foods and that was hard because like I'm vegan. And so we'd have people come in and protest like when we were, uh, they sold like bunny meat and uh, I'm like, oh, it's not that I disagree with you. I'm just like, I'm here at Whole Foods and I believe that they're pushing towards the values that I want. Um, so I can't, you know, I'm on the Whole Foods side. But I think too, like just understanding that oftentimes protesters are looking for the lowest hanging fruit. Yeah, so at Whole yeah. Foods, they knew they were going to get a ton of attention and we were respectful. We let them come in and do their protest. Obviously, like they came in, they left um, and that was totally fine. So I think it's just a matter of like, try not to inflame, try to listen, try to understand. And honestly, like ask yourself if you could be better. Like, again, if it's as simple as like maybe a dairy ingredient or a partnership, I think if you listen or and are able to improve, that's such a PR opportunity and such an opportunity for your company. So I wish I had like a blanket, like here's a three-step process for like <laughs> dealing with angry vegans. But, um, you know, I think like it really depends on the case. Like sometimes there's, you know, it's just a difference of opinion and you know, like you're a small dairy farmer. And sometimes there really is like an opportunity for your company to evolve and change. Yes. I love, I love thinking about it through that lens, you know, especially with that dairy example that you use. I, I think that most of my listeners can agree that they are trying to be sustainable values, like mission, (laughs) mission based brands. And and one of the things that we can do is when our audience speaks is is hear what they say, right? Being open to that feedback and and looking at our brands through through that um, critical lens is really, really valuable. Oh, absolutely. And I think like, you know, I've always said like everybody's on their own food journey and the vegan community has got a ton of slack for being like unforgiving. And so there's been a movement of saying like, hey, like like as long as people are always trying to improve like their choices and their food journey, let's celebrate that. Like you Mm -hmm. learn really quickly that you don't get a lot of change by bullying people or making them feel bad. You get changed by empowering them. Um, And so, you know, again, just, I think if you understand where this community is coming from and understand why they're so passionate and why they're speaking up. And then if you're able to see if your values align it at all and how you can communicate, I just think it's a win for everybody. Cause I, I, again, like ultimately I think we all want a better food system. That's uh, yes, I. That's really my takeaway from this this episode, Lindsay. And I'm I'm really appreciative that you've recapped it like that. That when we can realize the values that that vegans hold, that most vegans hold in in making yeah. their <laughs> their choices, that that we see that we are more aligned than different. I love that. Oh, yes. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on the episode today. I'm I'm so grateful for you know, the work that you do in our, in our food industry, I, it's hard for me to find digital marketers that I really connect with and and who do a great job for these emerging CPG brands. So um, I'm, I'm just so grateful for, for you in our, in our industry, Lindsay. Thank you so much. You know that I've been like DMing you consistently since finding you online. So I'm so flattered. <laughs> yes. Okay. So that being said, where can people find you online? I know people will want to keep in touch with you. Yes. So I am on social every day and my content is not 
all about veganism. It's all about food marketing. You can find us at Peacant Marketing. Um, I always try and give like templates and freebies in my newsletter. You can sign up on my Instagram. Um, you can sign up for a free consultation. If you even just have some questions about what we talk about, you can sign up on my website. I also have an online course, which I've gotten amazing feedback from. It's basically a roadmap for the first couple of years of your business in terms of marketing. It's like yes. writing a marketing plan, influencer marketing, photography. Like basically if you feel like you need to get a better grip on it. Like this online course is for you. And Ali, I've got a 20% off coupon until the end of 2020 for your listeners. So I'll yes. do that in the show notes. Okay. Amazing. Yes. That makes me so happy because I know like it's, it's one thing to get your product on the shelf and it's a whole other set of challenges to get your product to start selling off shelf. And that's really where marketing comes in. So yeah. um, Lindsay, I'm excited for that course. That's very cool. Yay. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm all about the the digital courses for our food industry, (laughs) but I'm, I'm really excited for that. I haven't found, I haven't found a digital marketing course specifically for food and beverage producers that, that I, that really resonates with me. So, um, I'm excited for that. And thank you for, for doing a promo code for my listeners. We'll make sure to put that in the the show notes. And Lindsay, you know, I'm going to say one last thing. Um, I didn't know that you were vegan until you reached out about this, this topic. And I think that that is, you know, you, you briefly just mentioned it there, but you do such, um, such a great job on Pekin's social media profiles, really talking about, you know, food and beverage brands and what they can do around marketing. And, and, you know, I didn't even, like I said, I didn't even know that you were vegan. So, um, for anyone who who is listening who doesn't really connect with that sense of the episode, I feel like that's a really good a disclaimer to know you aren't on there talking about that every day on on Pekin's profiles. <laughs> I have another profile for that. <laughs> I think it's. I mean, you're a savvy digital marketer. You know to keep things separate. So, well, Lindsay, thank you again. Thank you for coming on the show today. It's always so great to connect with you, and and I'll see you soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Allie. You're welcome. Okay, my whizzes, here we go. So I hope I hope you enjoyed today's episode as much as I did. And I hope that you're feeling a little bit more prepared to talk to the vegan community, especially as we move into the new year. So there's so much to think about when we market to a very specific and very influential population. And today's episode was really a great opportunity to learn some of those things to consider as you speak to the plant-based eaters and try to get them on board with your brand. So I'd like to know, How'd you like this episode and which best practices are you going to put into place first? So tag me on Instagram and, you know, while you're there, include Lindsay to Peacant Marketing while you're listening and give us a shout out. So I will, I would love to give you a follow right back and we can continue the conversation. Okay. Lastly, you've got to know that we are diving deeper into these topics every single week in our Food Biz Whiz Facebook group. So if you haven't joined us there already, what are you waiting for? For Find that invite in our show notes, and I'm going to see you in there soon. So I'm going to catch you right back here next week with a live coaching episode with one of my retail-ready students, Aquia of Barry Bissop. It is such a good one, so make sure to tune in. Until then, have a good one and stay busy. Thank you for listening to Food Biz Whiz, the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe so you never miss a beat. Hungry for more? 
Check out www.foodbizwiz.com. That's food, B-I-Z-W-I-Z.com for detailed show notes from all episodes. Thanks again for tuning in and stay busy.